0: This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iWake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to
1: iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest
2: and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on-the-water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you
1: the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio
0: sunshine. Once again, we're coming at you from sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. For those of you not familiar with me or my work, a little bit about myself. I'm a toad water sports enthusiast, a collector of vintage water skis, yo-yos, and phone numbers. But most importantly, for the last decade now, I've been the voice for professional wakeboarding. This audio podcast is brought to you twice monthly for free, on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes or at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. One more way to support, please subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast free on iTunes and be sure to rate and review the show. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me at goldenmike at Today we have another great interview lined up. Professional photographer Joey Meddock sits down to chat about his career and the journey that has taken him from aspiring athlete to one of the industry's most dedicated and celebrated photographers. I've known Joey now for well over 10 years. At one time, we were even roommates. We've worked a handful of events and traveled across the ocean to Europe together. Joey and I have seen two WrestleManias live and once spent 30 awesome but blurry hours in Amsterdam. Whether you recognize his name or not, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've seen his work. Joey is one of the most creative minds in the business and has a work ethic that doesn't leave him much free time these days. I look up to Joe, and I always have. He's been around the industry forever and has dedicated a lot of his adult life to the wakeboard industry. Joe is an individual and it reflects in his work. I personally appreciate who Joe is and what he does. And I hope you listeners enjoy this interview, which of course I know you will. And you can do that in just about 30 seconds
1: after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Jammy Pack is the original fanny pack with affordable, portable, and durable audio technology. Jammy Pack audio is now offered in backpacks, bike packs, coolers, and more. Be sure to check Jammy Pack's all-new Bluetooth technology as well as everything else at jammypack.com. JammyPack, let there be music. A photographer going on 16
0: years in the wakeboard and toad water sports industry. He's produced and edited movies, including Captured and Welcome. He helped start the Standard Magazine. Now he owns and operates the Wake Journal, which is a weekly digital magazine available eight months a year. Wake Journal is available in the App Store for smartphones and tablets, subscriptions are a buck ninety nine for the year, and you can also go back and buy archive issues. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, Joey Medoc. Yeah, Dana, thanks for having me. Yeah, Joe, good to have you here, my friend. Good setup you got here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're uh, we're hanging out in the office. The security was really giving me a hard time at the gate. I could barely get in. Well, that's what happens when you uh, come out to the mini mansion. So, Joe, what's what's new with you? Not much, just uh, getting
2: back into the season here coming up and getting ready for March. Wake Journal is going to be full swing by then, so we're doing a lot of our prep work right now and scheduling a lot of charts and things like that for the year, so just getting organized for the most part. It's uh, pretty cold out now here in Orlando, so take advantage of the downtime as far as getting out on the water and in the office a lot these days.
0: But you guys aren't actually putting issues out right now. You're taking a little break, right? Yeah, our publishing
2: years uh, for Wake Journal is March through November, and then... We take a few months off of publishing, but there's still tons of work to be done. So if there's any improvements to be made to the product and, you know, changing layout and departments and ideas and things like that, we got to do it in the winter time, and then implement it into the next season.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Wake Journal here in just a little bit, but I want to talk to you about how and when you and I met. I want to see if you kind of remember it the way that I do. Summer of 2002, Wisconsin trip with Ruck. You remember that so far?
2: I think so, yeah. Memory's not in my strong suit,
0: so we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Well, actually, just take a look to your left right there. I didn't even realize this, but... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's probably the... Possibly the trip. We're sitting here in my roommate's office, and he happens to have a big a picture frame. We're on the top floor of Trump Plaza. It, it's the mini mansion here in Orlando. <laughs> um, my roommate has a picture frame with this wakeboarding mag article that Joey shot photos for. Uh, must have been around 2002. I should have looked at that. I could have gotten the exact date. But you came up to Wisconsin with Eric Ruck uh to our, to his hometown right. where I was living Twin Lakes Wisconsin. Yep. You had a couple of riders with you at the time, Daniel Watkins, Kobe Mikasich.
2: Cuz I were on the bus with Kobe, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Scott the Gypsy was there. Yep. I remember we were doing a lot of partying. <laughs> there was that fun day Monday party at my friend Arladas who actually owns the house that I live in now. Right. I remember personally being slightly intimidated by all of you guys. I remember you showed up and you were Rocking a gnarly mustache. Sounds about right. <laughs> and yeah, this headband. You had this real, real funky hippie look going on at the time, but there's a funny picture of Rock and I with the, the bandana and mustache full effect. I'm gonna have to actually take a photo of these photos that I have on my wall and post them on my website so people can see what you looked like at the time. But you're kind of like a young Willie Nelson.
2: Sure, I'll take that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember being intimidated by all of you guys. I mean, obviously, I grew up with Ruck, but, you know, wakeboarders, I had looked up to a lot of those guys, and you, of course, being a photographer, One of the parts about that trip that stuck out most to me was Micker, Kobe Mikosich, riding the jet ski. And uh, we had the two boats coming through. And Kobe split the two boats on the jet ski, booted a big old air, but maybe came down a little too heavy on the back of the ski. and, uh, sunk it and I think he actually the engine of that uh, watercraft ended up getting ruined but I just remember it was just a, a ton of ruckus out of control party you guys were up there for three or four days or something and yep, it was, uh, it was a
2: good old SeaWorld trick jumping
0: the cd like that yeah that yeah from the old show of course yeah Joe you were introduced into toad water sports at a young age in a way you've been involved since before wakeboarding was around your dad was an executive at Correct Craft, and he helped mold the Masters into the event that it is today. Your dad is also involved largely within the Water Sports Industry Association. How did that influence your career?
2: Yeah, he still puts in a lot of time even, even to this day. But I got started around water sports when he was working for Correct Craft at the time and brought home a scurfer. And I was probably like 10 years old, and that was like one of the, one of the first wakeboards that was out there. Got hooked on it then, started riding that thing around. and But, yeah, my dad's been around it for, I mean, my whole entire life he's been working there, or he had been at the time, so had a good 25-year run. So my whole life, my youth growing up, I was always around the lake and going out on the boat and stuff, so kind of in my blood.
0: Were you water skiing or kneeboarding or anything before you got on that skurfer? A little bit, just
2: typical, like, double skis or something or kneeboarding or something like that, but never really took interest to it until... Till the scurfer came around, and uh, I was in high school at the time. So I was playing team sports and basketball and things like that, which I still love to this day. Uh, Just wanted to do something on my own and more independent activity to do rather than team sport type of setup.
0: As far as the scurfer went, then wakeboards kind of started coming out. Were you competitive at all? Uh, A little
2: bit, and just mainly through the junior ranks. I, like, challenged um, at the time elimination day of the contest, Pro Tour or whatever, you could take a hack at it. Basically intermediate stuff, like things like that. Until I tweaked, you know, blew out my knees and got hurt, and then I kind of picked up a camera after that.
0: Now, before you hurt your knee, did I read somewhere that you also worked at SeaWorld?
2: Yep. I, that's actually where I got injured. So let's see. So through high school, I was just getting into wakeboarding and then needed a job, so I started working at Performance Skiing Surf and uh, doing some retail stuff. And then from Performance, I went to SeaWorld where at the time they needed wakeboarding was popular and X Games was just on t- starting to be on TV. At the time, wakeboarding was in the X Games, and so SeaWorld kind of wrote a script and a show around extreme sports, and wakeboarding was part of that. And at the time, it was kind of a good timing thing. Um, applied for the job, I could do a couple flips, and you know, learn from there. And then after you, you have that skill under your belt, then you you know you go off doing other types of uh, disciplines. Whatever they need for the show,
0: and what year was that around?
2: See, I got hurt in '98, so I think it was 90, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bought my cam first camera in '99.
0: I read somewhere that it was just thirty days after you picked up a camera that Wakeboarding Mag ran your first photo. Yeah, uh, i was
2: trying to remember the name of the editor at the time. As I think it was, uh, it was Tom James or it was Tony Smith. Wakeboarding Mag. They were working on a. Sequence issue in particular, and I kind of got the tip off of what issue they were, what kind of content they were going for, and I just got hurt and bought a camera with my uh, workman's comp money, shot a sequence of my friend Ryan Wolf, and and then sent it off to the magazine, and along with a bunch of other reject photos, <laughs> and they finally used something out of that batch, and it was a combination of knowing what they were doing with, you know, giving them something at just the right timing <laughs> as far as. Getting published that fast was it actually quality work? Probably not, but the timing was good. So my claim to fame thirty days after I bought a camera, I got something published, but <laughs> so it's been snowballing ever since.
0: yeah, right. So when you first started, who are you shooting most as far as athletes go?
2: Um at the time, it was just the kind of the crew that I rode with, and it was like Carlos
0: Rivero and Ryan Wolf. Okay, so when did riders outside of your original circle start reaching out for your services? Or was it like mostly you just hungry to meet these other athletes? As far as shooting photos? Yeah. Um
2: I don't know. I enjoy going out on the boat regardless if I'm taking a photo or or wakeboarding myself or just booze cruising. I just like being out on the water. So anytime my buddies were riding they would I just encourage them to call me and say you know give me a shout I'll come shoot photos it's so harmless to call somebody to basically you're just watching so you're not getting in the way or anything and and I would just keep submitting photos from there and keep the snowball going and uh just keep the cycle going and just keep pressing that button no matter what and let your let your library grow just always just kind of creating new content yep and even to this day you're just constantly I mean now with social media it's a lot different than when I started but even with your phone and now my professional camera stuff, it's, I mean, there's so many outlets to to feed out there with these images.
0: Do you remember any particular photo that you took, which when it was run, it made you feel as if you truly had made it as a professional?
2: No, I'm still looking for that photo. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of my own worst critic. I critique every, a lot of stuff I do. I always find ways to make it better. And that's kind of what gets me you know keeps me going out there again and getting after it is trying to improve myself as well so there's certain images that definitely stick out as iconic or memorable for different reasons but
0: uh I don't know I still I, I still enjoy the search for that sure well, you were pretty young at when you when you broke in to photography you know 20 what 20 years old or so yeah I was 20 yep what did established photographers like Bill Doster, Josh Letchworth, and guys like Maddie Malloy think of you when you started?
2: I don't know. Photography is a very territorial type of thing, as I, as I learned through the years. But um, certain guys are really good about reaching out, and Doster was definitely one of them, and Letchworth, and Doug Duquesne, and Paul Girding, Heather Lee, just a list of people, really. But uh, for me, anyway, I'm not threatened by other people who shoot photos. It's just I encourage people to do it. Everyone has their own style, so I enjoy teaching other people and encouraging them that they can ask questions and do things and because a lot of that stuff was and wasn't there when I started it's so much different now because it's digital versus film and there was a lot to learn shooting film which is a lot of reason why people didn't do it right <laughs> and it also got it got you a lot of work because of that sure and so now the community is a little diluted because there's so many people that shoot digital
0: Not necessarily diluted in a bad way, but maybe. (laughs) It
2: depends. I mean, everyone thinks they're a photographer.
0: Like me? (laughs) No,
2: it's, I mean, you're just documenting life. That's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Just trying to take advantage, you know, and and that kind of goes back to when you first started. You look at those other other photographers that I was mentioning and the guys that you just mentioned, but at a certain point, those guys, their time becomes a, a heck of a lot more valuable and they just can't be out there. For every single moment growing up knowing a lot of the guys from the pointless posse you were there while those guys were building i remember seeing a photo in on wakeboardmag.com maybe from like 2001 and it was just just some shots of like a chubby danny harf uh drilling a rail and like ruck and parks just standing right right there to the side of him but you know like you said yeah the snowballing and it and it just grows but i mean for some photographers, that's the advantage—is actually being there with those with those other guys. But nowadays, you look at what you're doing, and yeah. you probably don't have time to go and shoot just random.
2: It's different because back then it was—you're supposed to be in school studying, and you got so much downtime. Most of us grew up on a lake. You spend your downtime on the water, watching the sun go down, or building rails, or going riding, or shooting photos, or whatever. So we found ourselves. Doing that is more just hanging out and shooting photos of each other more than it was a job. And this is when you could live pretty cheaply as well. I mean, you're 20 years old till, you know, 20 to 25, or even these guys are younger, 16 to 25. Right. Um, these days, it's a whole different generation of dudes that are out there now. <laughs> My phone doesn't ring like it used to. You got to go get after it. And it's it's kind of after it's kind of who you hang around and where the buzz is and knowing the next event or the next photo spot or watching the weather or doing something like that. But um,
0: I'm sure you'd love to be out there yeah. shooting photos all day long, but then who's going to run the Wake Journal?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of responsibilities to, to run with that. But um, yeah, like you said, there's you got to accept the fact that you can only cover so much and you can't cover everything. So what's wrong with having more than you shoot photos? And you can't cover everything, so there's there's definitely room for multiple lenses out there.
0: No doubt. You and Josh Letchworth partnered up on the Standard Magazine. Um, That was what year? 2007? Shut it down Oh eight.
2: 08, so. Oh, okay. Six. It was probably 05, 06, 05, I guess.
0: So. Why did you guys decide wakeboarding at that time needed another publication? There was room for it. There still is room
2: for it. We wanted to do something that was completely different, break the norm of what's out there today. Um, Even... Before the standard, a lot of the stuff is the same today. And it's a lot of inspiration behind what Wake Journal is now. It's just to do it different, to do it right, to do it professional. The paper quality, I mean, the, I think people appreciated the quality of photographs, the quality of paper, the quality of just entertainment that you're getting out of it. I think the sport was at the right age to have a publication like that. Trying to do something out of quality too early is basically, you know, just doing something before it's time, but no regrets. And, Everything happens for a reason, so i've I've learned a lot because of it.
0: What was the reaction from some of the other media outlets when you guys did that?
2: as I mean definitely competition for sure, but uh, competition's a good thing, and there's and we're still competing now, and even what we do now, there's been new digital publications that have come out, and it's a good thing, so it's you gotta look at the big picture. And it's not about your own pockets
0: when you did the standard rear photos like you and Lecce Were your guys' photos still being run in all the other publications as much?
2: Yeah, but I wouldn't say with open arms necessarily, but there were buckets to be filled, and occasionally we had the right image to fill the bucket, but it wasn't like they were going out of their their way to hire us and keep us in the loop necessarily. But I don't know. It goes in circles, and a lot of those people don't work there anymore, and guess what? We're still doing the same thing, loving what we do. and, And they're, you know... We're still, we still were welcome to work with them, you know, at any time. So, they're...
0: yeah, business is business, and friendship is friendship, right? That's right. <laughs> but it was during that same time period that you won Photographer of the Year for your first time, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was around standard time. That's kind of cool. It's no secret that the Wake Awards are run by Wakeboarding Mag. Yep. So, seeing a guy who owns, operates, runs his own magazine when Photographer of the Year is probably a a big surprise to a lot of people back
1: then. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you that I will ever be winning a Photography of the Year from Wake Journal. That's for damn sure. But, <laughs> but um, I, I was super stoked just to be, at the time, be recognized in that room full of people. There's so many industry bigwigs in there, and it's cool to be called out and recognized. No and doubt.
0: You've won that award twice now, right? Yep, won it twice. Yep,
2: hopefully, hopefully another one one day.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Well, watch out because. You know, I'm a photographer now.
2: Hell yeah. Hopefully you'll be up there, too.
0: And and you just got to my house a little bit ago, and yep. you saw that I'm actually uh, aspiring professional videographer now, too. Yep. Editor. Editor. Yeah, look out. Yeah. With the help of Colin Harrington and my new GoPro, I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> That's all you need. You're dialed. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we're on video. Can we talk about your video career a little bit?
2: Video? My video career? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a editing video editing career a little bit. Okay, no, I wouldn't call it a career, but a hobby.
0: Well, you were a part of two big movies, "Captured" and the old Hyperlight film "Welcome." And are those the only two that you've done?
2: Uh, i had my hands in a couple other ones. I don't even know the names to be honest. Um, but "Captured" was a hundred percent inspired by me and photography. And then "Welcome" was a Hyperlight video at the time, um, helping Ron Sidinglands. And friends do some editing um, so that's kind of where I came into that project. but
0: all right, well, let's talk about each of these movies a little bit because to me they're they're the two kind of standout um movies that that you've been a part of, sure um captured you and I lived with Eric ruck late two thousand two. He'd bought a house after he won the pro wakeboard tour, and uh you took one bedroom. I took the other bedroom. you remember that? yep. I remember you had an office set up in the house, and you were working on the movie, pretty much every I single day. Was captured night. from Ruck's house? Yeah, you were you were editing captured from Ruck's house. You right. weren't filming. You right, weren't right. filming or shooting.
2: Well, it never really had a plot. <laughs> it was just a compilation of photos. It
0: was still to me. It was still, it even to this day, it is still one of the most fun and creative movies to watch. It's not too long, first of all, I which could is, still be
2: editing it right now.
0: It, it could, yeah, ending. it could be a never-ending project. <laughs> I showed it to one of my friends a month or two ago. I showed Captured to a friend of mine a couple of months ago. And it lives on even to today. I mean, the the photography was creative. There was a small mix of videography in it as well. Basically, you would show little clips of whatever you were taking photos of, something like that. What was your reasoning behind putting Captured out back in 2003?
2: The way I organized photos, everything was on slides. Slide film, 35 millimeter slides. And then I would stick them all in binders, stick them on a shelf. And uh, so one slide at a time, once I had this crazy idea in my head to do a video, one slide at a time, I would scan it, put it into a folder basically, and then create these folders based on people's names. So like Ruck, for instance, would have a folder. Parks would have a folder. Shane would have a folder. And then within that folder, it's just tons of photos of that person within that year. So I just started tinkering around with uh, some editing stuff. Actually, J.D. Webb's dad, Ben, is the first dude who I bought some uh, editing software from. And this is when I was in, this was when I was at UCF in college. Set up a editing system with that and uh, basically just started putting photos together to music. Found some trippy music to listen to and put some music, or put some slides to it and and then I was like, oh, I ended one song. Let's do another song that was kind of fun. Showed friends as I did it. And they're like, oh, this is cool. Keep doing it. So I just kept, kept on going. But yeah, one slide at a time. And I'm tempted to maybe one day try it again because now it's a digital era. And the ideas as far as how to shoot and what to shoot, you know, putting um, scenes together is considerably different as far as uh, the time spent editing now on the digital day versus what i did back
0: then are you shooting are you shooting any film nowadays or mostly i do digital? a little bit
2: um, 35 millimeters still with this super old camera that i bought from a thrift store it shoots really good black and white stuff so but pretty minimal <laughs> mainly it's due because of costs and, right. and i'm just trying to save some money but but uh, i love shooting it um, people don't appreciate it and really know what they're looking at for the most part cuz they want everything yesterday so I kind of keep up with the demand for the most part. But me personally, I I really enjoy shooting it, but I don't think people really know what they're looking at.
0: Quick break in the action, guys. I want to mention Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida. If you're not familiar with Performance Ski and Surf, you should be. Wakeboards, skates, surfers, and skis, along with all the accessories. New and closeout models are always available. Right now, they have a huge selection of winter gear from snowboards to anything you need to get on the mountain this winter. Plenty of deals to be had, and since the weather is a bit cold right now, mention my name and the Golden Mike podcast when you stop in or order online for a special 15% off all wetsuits until March fifteenth, two 2015. Check them out next time you visit Orlando or online at perfski.com. Thanks again to Performance Ski and Surf for their generous support. Now back to the Golden Mike Podcast with Joey Medoc. Let's get back to talking about these movies, and let's talk about Welcome, uh, which is another awesome, I actually just watched it recently, another really fun wakeboard film. You got to get out more often. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Well, it, seen that
2: in a while. it
0: was just a cool concept. It was a week documented at Radar Lake with the Hyperlight team when it was Parks, Bonifay, Danny Harf, Scott Byerly, Brian Grubb, J.D. Webb, Chad Sharp, and Eric Ruck. Yeah. I mean, super, super stacked lineup. You guys didn't have much time to film. It was basically what five days or so, right? Yep. And,
2: Shoot, that was all. Those were film days too.
0: Yeah, and and you edited. It was you. It was you and Rod Seidenglans, right? Who right. did
2: it? Yeah, Ron shot shot everything and then but he definitely looked over my shoulder as far as editing stuff and I was just hands on deck anywhere I could help out edit that as quick as possible really.
0: Were you thinking about maybe a a transition in your career at that time is that why you were kind of getting into the video stuff?
2: Not really I mean I was pretty stuck on the photo stuff and I still am but um, there was a, a demand for it back then but it's just a different animal now so there's all these new cameras out now, I mean, there's an option next camera I buy will definitely shoot video for sure, but how to impl- implement that into my already hectic schedule i don't I don't really I'm not interested in doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that hey, well, aside from what you already worked on, do you have any favorite wakeboard movies of all time? Uh, I don't know. it's tough to uh i've seen seen a lot of garbage
2: out there, <laughs> so it's so tough to like oh sit down and watch this one like why is this one gonna be different from the last? Uh, sure. I don't know, hopefully saying that will motivate some people, but I don't know, it's hard for me to sit down and watch one, to be honest. It's, yeah. I, I I study it and watch it every single day very closely under the microscope, literally looking at images. I don't know. It's hard for me to sit there and watch a whole video.
0: I feel bad. I feel like I'm in in a similar boat as you are on that one. I I go to events all the time. I'm with awesome riders all the time. I get a lot of Behind the scenes treatment, and a lot of times a new movie comes out, and I just don't get to see it, or I just don't see it. You know, it's not like these guys are shipping the videos to my house for me to see. So, you know, I feel bad. People will come up and be like, "Oh, did you see so and so movie, this movie, or that movie?" I'm like, ah.
2: Yeah, and so much of it's spoiled too on social media, and kind of takes away a lot of the punch.
0: Yeah, you a lot of times you're watching something nowadays and you're like, "Man, I saw that yeah. 6 months ago." That 15-second clip. How do we stop that from ha- it's not going to stop. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. Well, now you have the Wake Journal. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you guys started it?
2: Wake Journal is a weekly uh, digital publication. Our publishing years March through November. We take a little winter break. Myself and business partner James Krasick works on that uh, relentlessly. It's January now, so again, getting ready to start up again in March.
0: How much of the content in Wake Journal is yours personally? Too much of it. I want more
2: people to submit more often, uh, more frequently. Um, I think there's a misconception that it, it's all my stuff, and it's not. It hasn't been, but uh, a, there's a lot of it in there that is. Uh, again it's coming down to filling the buckets and if i can do it and i know the content layout then might as well but i definitely want other people's styles and influences and there's wakeboarding going around the going on around the world nonstop and there's people shooting photos of it and there's no reason why we can't receive their submissions as well as far as the entertainment value of getting wake journal you want to be able to you know see something that's all around the world not just right here in Orlando
0: Right. Well, I know I've personally submitted a handful of photos.
2: You've got a couple of new uh, surprise photos coming up. Actually, I've already seen your name, your your name
0: all over them. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of stuff. I see. I'm taking photos. I'm actually learning how to use my camera for real now. So I'm not going to have to be in the ballast section of your <laughs> of your uh, of the wake journal. But yep. at the at the same time, uh, I'm still learning how to fully submit. But with that being said can anybody submit or do you have to be like a professional photographer
2: no anybody can submit and um, and when i started wakeboarding and i was you know looking at the magazine stuff they used to have a section in there it was a reader submitted section where it was your shot of being in the magazine and it was so cool to like go straight to that page and see if you made made the cut or whatever and i still think there's that feeling today and so with wake journal i was like i want pe- i want everybody to submit everyone's got iPhones these days takes photos. Those file sizes are ridiculous, and it works with us in digital. where not necessarily would work in print, and but if there's a sunset or a panoramic or somebody wake surfing or anything like that, absolutely, we encourage everybody to submit.
0: And by everybody, you're not just talking about your friends. You're talking about Johnny Joe from Utah and. and ab-
2: absolutely, I'm not saying we're going to print it or use everything, but. Right. I mean, there's definitely. You gotta do some sifting.
0: Well, you um, you've used everything I've sent you.
2: Well, you you got a good eye for it,
0: <laughs> and I appreciate it.
2: But uh, there's a lot of surprising stuff. A lot of people take like screenshots of their phone, and it's just like, well, that's not gonna work, you right? I mean, <laughs> don't take a screenshot. Take a photo. Okay, but <laughs> it's
0: gotta be a total pain. What's the pro- Like, what's the process? How do you submit to the to the wake journal? I mean, is it is it a total pain in the butt?
2: No, well, there's. The technical details are online on the website, wakejournal.com. And then uh, there's a rundown of check here, sign this, sign that.
0: And it's pretty simple, really. Just go to the website and look into it. All right, so wakejournal.com. Yep. Okay, what tools do you think a person needs today if they want to get into photography? A brain. (laughs) Seriously.
2: I tell people, I strongly believe it doesn't matter what kind of camera you got. The good images come from your head. And people put thought into what they're doing, how they're going to shoot it, where the light's going to be, what the subject's going to be doing. The attention's taken away from how you got the photo, but what's in the photo.
0: Very cool. Well, hopefully uh, this segment of the show will um, inspire some some aspiring photographers yep. to submit. And, uh
2: Rip okay. on into performance and grab yourself a GoPro.
0: Yeah, might as well. Maybe help take a little bit of the load off of your shoulders when it comes to weight journal so you don't have to produce all of the content yourself. Exactly,
2: yes. I'm chomping at the bit to get
0: more names in there. What would you say right now? Is it 85% Joey Medock, 75%? Well,
2: the, next year is our fifth year. 2015 starts our fifth year. And say 2013, it was probably 95% me. Last year is probably... 80 or 75, and hopefully this year it's 50 or less. That would be ideal. Even with what I'm doing on a weekly basis there, there's so many images to go around, so it's still a lot to, uh, lot to feed out there.
0: You're only one guy. Yeah, only, exactly. You're only one yeah. man. Hey, let's talk about the travel that goes along with your job. First, what's the most recent place that you've been to? Abu Dhabi. That was in uh, December. That was a long one.
2: Quick trip, long flight.
0: Yeah, so you were out there for Worlds, right? For Cable Worlds?
2: Wake Park Worlds, yeah. Wake Park Worlds. Or WWA Wake Park Worlds at uh, sand Resort. And um, this guy's got a really good setup out there, did it
0: right, and flew into the event, shot lots of photos, didn't get much sleep, flew home. It's good. was super fun. So, not, not much uh, time to to check out the city or anything?
2: On this trip, no, unfortunately. I've been there before,
0: but some other guys
2: out with us had never been, so... I felt bad for them because c- I'd seen it and you know seen all the big hotels and all the cool hotspots to go to, but this was like flew in, jet lag. As soon as you wake up, do a fifteen hour day, go straight the next day another fifteen hours. Day three, hopefully a short day. Flat. Fif- fifteen
0: hours make like two hundred dollars. Yeah,
2: if if, if that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, spend seventy five <laughs> on lunch. No, but, uh, but that was a quick trip. But it's cool. I like. I like. Being out of my element and different culture and makes you appreciate what you got at home. What's
0: been your favorite trip that you can remember? There's got to be something in there.
2: Um, yeah, I Any mean, of the Lake Powell trips with the Liquid Forest crew is was always a good time. Some of those early trips was like and was out there and some of those old dogs. I don't know, I don't, I don't really stick out to me. I just enjoy traveling and getting out of the house. My you... Lake Powell is just a super special place. It's beautiful out there.
0: Do you prefer to stay within the States or do you like to get out of the U.S.?
2: I like getting out of the country for sure. Henshaw's got a great setup in Canada. Uh, Go up there every now and then. Yeah, I'd love to get over to Australia or I'd love to see Asia. I've never been there. Yeah, just getting out of the house. I'll I'll go anywhere.
0: (laughs) Is there anywhere that you won't go back to?
2: Um, There's some places we might not be welcome to go back to. (laughs) Now, these are the stories I want (laughs) to (laughs) hear. Uh, I luckily I haven't had too many disaster trips. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't. I don't have one spot that's, you know, got arrested or something like that. Like nothing like that's happened. Thank
0: God. But well, I'll give you mine. Uh, Must and it's with Henshaw, two thousand seven or two thousand and eight. I can't even remember the year anymore. But we we took a trip down to South Padre, Texas to do a wakeboard rail jam during spring break I mean it was just total debauchery from the second we got onto the island we're wakeboard people living a rock star lifestyle out there and um, before you know it our pool won't fill up so day one of the rail jam gets canceled let's see we were there for like two nights there was zero sleep yeah, those weren't really wakeboard events. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really a wakeboard <laughs> event. N- needless to say, it was just such a, it was a fun time, but at the end of the day, I was sick for about a week after that trip, and I vowed that I would never go back to South Padre Island, Texas. Yeah. And more, you said you were with
2: Henshaw, right? Yeah, I was with Henshaw. Canadian, yeah.
0: Yeah. Explains it. But j- just to give you an idea, <laughs> we wore buckets of KFC chicken on our head for about 14 hours straight. Nice. So. Nice. That's kind of where we were at on that trip. Yeah. Needless to say, I ended up going back to South Padre Island like another four or five times in a row working for spring break a right. handful of years <laughs> later. But it's one of those places, if it weren't for the money, I wouldn't ever go back. 200 bucks? E- yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I, Daniel Watkins and Brett Eisenhower, took a trip to yes. Ireland. I know where you're going with this. Yes, about seven or eight years ago at this at this moment. Seven. Yes. Teen. it was a long time ago More than seven probably that was a while ago um you do you have any memories of that trip
2: really faded ones that was the same trip that we flew through Amsterdam to come home because we had the
0: time we had the time and and Watkins and Ike had the money <laughs> yeah
2: yeah me you Watkins Ike and Amsterdam
0: the best time ever it was insane so we started off we all met in Chicago at O'Hare almost missed our flight to Where was our flight to? From from Chicago? Supposed to be through London or something. Yeah. So we went Chicago. We dropped our bags
2: in London and then flew to Amsterdam, which I guess is pretty close. Well,
0: we started the trip off in Ireland and I remember when we landed in Ireland. I don't know if you remember this, but we got into the car.
2: What were we there for?
0: We were there for some wakeboard event. The guy invited (laughs) the guy basically said to me, He was like, Hey, you can bring whoever you want.
2: That's right, okay.
0: And I chose you and Daniel and Ike to come with me. Right. And the deal was they bought us plane tickets. You had to shoot some photos. I think you shot three. Right. And I had to announce their contest. Worked out. It worked out just fine. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do that all over again. It was on our way home, our layover at Heathrow in England, that we hopped on another plane and went over to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. That's right. Yes. Quite a blur. You remember the night Brett Eisenhower, we were getting shaves. My friend who had brought us over there, he was a barber. Yes. And he promised us shaves and it wasn't until the last night of our trip. Right. Literally five hours before we go. So this is like two in the morning that he invites us to the barber shop to get that we're all psyched, we're going home and Yeah, we're getting gonna, proper shaves. Yeah, we're gonna be it was gonna be a long night. I remember just some random walking by the I was gonna say bar, but I mean barber shop. Right. And Ike losing it. Like they knocked on the door and Ike lost it and like ran out after the guy. Yeah, he was pretty fired up. It, I remember breaking this. What was going to be a fight, and I, and Ike says to me something on the lines of "Never
1: break, never break up a fight with me, mate," or something.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. That was an insane trip,
2: though. Yeah.
0: Any other stories of insanity from behind the lens?
2: I was with Kilgus with a riding the tube when the line broke. That got interesting. <laughs>
0: and who was riding?
2: It was a uh, Dino. Dino and Amber power couple and Amber's driving Dean's riding and this tube so big Kilgis is a big dude and we were in this tube that could fit a car and inside it felt like so I was like oh well, Kilgis you mind if I ride on the tube with you I mean why not like you have plenty of space it things like an island and uh, he's like yeah whatever and he's got this huge water housing with a red super expensive camera and this water housing that's like 35 40 pounds and we're riding behind Dean, and uh, Kilgus is all propped up on his knees, like getting ready to shoot as Dean's coming toward the wake. And I'm like, I got a GoPro on a stick, so just trying to stay out of Kilgus's way, but shoot whatever kind of photo that might happen. But uh, we're just cruising along, and all of a sudden the rope pops, and Kilgus goes flying out the front, and both of us simultaneously do front flips. And I've had the two rope break on me before, cause, and I had a split second to kind of know what was going on. And it can get kind of scary if you have the, if the water housing in your hands because it can hit you, it can cut your hands, or it can knock you out, knock your teeth out, nose, whatever. And if you fall out of the tube in general when you're shooting photos, you're going to be bleeding. And so I feel the rope pop. Both Kilgus and I do front flips out of the tube. And I'm kind of laughing as we go in, but as I'm underwater, I'm realizing if it's me and Kilgus now and if he doesn't come up, it's on me to get him. I'm the closest one to him. The boat's nowhere around. So he goes flying out the front. I come up and Kilgis and I come out of the water like at the same time. And, and his face is just gushing blood. He got split open from the housing. And he dropped the camera on accident. This is like when we shoot. he was shooting for Prime, this wakeboard video that just came out. The housing like really knocked him pretty good. And now the tube's just floating because it's not attached to, to the boat. Boat's not even close. To coming back and helping by any means. That's just how it happens. Like, you think the boat can get you that quick, but it can't. And so Kilgus and Larry are swimming. He's completely dazed and get him, swim him all the way to the tube before he even realizes he's, a, he's not holding the camera at all. No. And uh, so he, there's a $50,000 RED camera they dropped bottom of the lake. And if there's all the places on the lake you could drop it, it was in a findable spot. So we end up, Kilgus is just dripping blood everywhere. He split his forehead pretty good, and uh, ended up taking him to the hospital. And long story short, they send out the fish finder that night in a boat and searched for it in the middle of the night. And they they found all the camera, found the parts, and found everything else. And Kilgus got sewn up, and <laughs> he was good to go. Other than a little bit of an embarrassment, but it was it got kind of sketchy for a second.
0: Was Kilgus's camera ruined or?
2: I don't know if it was a loaner or if he was renting it or or what, but it definitely had some damage, and he had to send it off to get fixed.
0: Well. That is an insane story from behind the lens. Joe, do you still love your job? Absolutely. What do you do when the job gets stale?
2: Try to remember why you love it. (laughs) Do something different. Try to surprise yourself. Yeah, try to keep it fresh as much as you can.
0: Within our industry, no doubt you're like one of the all-time best photographers, and you've won awards, and so many of your images are iconic or will go down as iconic images Thanks, man. Uh, who did you look up to while climbing the ladder of success?
2: But photography, well, that's worth for sure. I mean, he's still super inspirational and love his, his eye and everything that comes out of his camera. And I mean, there's a lot of surf photographers that I enjoy. And I follow a lot of snowboard people, you know, through social media and try to be influenced by all walks of life, really, and see all kinds of different things.
0: March 2010, cover of Wakeboarding Mag with Murray, Sean Murray. Yep. Would you consider it top 10 iconic covers of all time? Uh,
2: no. I mean, for me, it's definitely memorable and iconic. I think other people think it's a lot cooler than it really is. I mean, it's it's a cool shot for sure, but is it like, oh my gosh, the wakeboarding photo? I don't know about that, but it was, and hats off to Murray. That was his idea. Like he's, He set that up. He's super creative, came to me with the idea, and we tried that shot three different mornings on three different wind occasion type of days and the morning that we got that shot there was a sea do guy ripping across the lake first thing in the morning. Who goes sea doing first thing in the morning? And this guy's ripping across the lake and we had like one pass to do it and luckily it was the third time we tried it or something like that and and Murray got into that position and rattled off a couple of shots.
0: Can you can you just tell everybody out there maybe who aren't familiar with what photo I'm talking about, which photo that was?
2: Yeah, it's um basically the effect happened on a super calm day, so we were going for a reflection and Murray had cut out to the side and the idea was the ropes behind his back kinda of on his hips, and you just cut out and lean as hard as you can and it's a pretty hard pull on your shoulders and holding that position as long as he did it for. And originally he was trying to like kiss himself off the reflection and he would dip down a couple of times and, and catch his face on the water and I'm um, like dying hysterically behind the camera and watching them do this. At the same time I'm seeing the reflection. I'm like, this is gonna be a cool shot. And uh yeah, we got one hack, one one try at it up the lake and got what we did and we were super
0: stoked. And brah, You're you're still you're still selling those photos, right? People yeah, are still yeah,
2: occasionally there's uh people buy a poster of it. Um you can buy it off my website or um different ways to get it, but people love it. And it's funny, I've seen people duplicate it. I've seen we should we should start a contest or something but um, yeah different people have submitted photos I've seen it other pros do it um,
0: but never never really it's the pretty, same
2: yeah it's, I don't know pretty cool shot for sure
0: can you think of any other photos not necessarily taken by you but they can be um, that stick out as iconic f- for wakeboarding
2: yeah um, I always remember a shot of Greg Nelson from Lake Powell back in the day doing a method over a buoy or a melon or something um over a buoy like that sticks in my head a lot of like a lot of stuff from Doug Duquesne and Kelly Kingman and it's fun to try to redo some similar shots that I think are iconic and then do it with you know a younger kid newer product type of thing um the Nelson shot is one of them I'd like to redo and with a newer some newer blood out there um I did one with a space shuttle here in Orlando. um, Obviously, the uh, Cocoa Beach is an hour away, and we planned a shot to uh, do something with a shuttle in the background. And now, today, they don't have the shuttle program that they used to. So I'm hoping that that shot will be pretty impossible to do again, which will make the one that I did even cooler.
0: And that that photo is of? Uh, Eric Ruck. The
2: one that was successful was with a Ruck. I tried it again, even closer to the ocean or where the, where the shuttle takes off. Um, that one was with Adam Arrington for Red Bull at the time and Ruck got a cooler shot for sure. But it's, I don't know, you you can't, can't redo it. Can't redo it anymore. So it is what it is.
0: It is what it is. That is correct. Hey, I'm not going to ask you who your favorite rider to shoot is, but I am going to ask what makes a rider good to shoot. Um, good question. And I will
2: happily put some mustard on that. People who are motivated to get out there. I'm so disappointed so often by people not prepared, um, hung over, not taking it serious. And I, and I know it's fun, but at the same time, this is the part that's supposed to be work and you better be ready to work. I mean, no shows I get there and people just don't even show, don't even call. So that stuff's super frustrating. And I've learned and try to stay away from those people. And, um, a lot of the younger younger guys are a little hungrier for it. And um and so I'm gonna keep working with those guys who so so I don't you know get taken advantage of.
0: Is there anybody over the years that has been blacklisted from Medoc photography?
2: Definitely for a temporary time. <laughs> I don't know any names off the top of my head, but I mean I don't have any grudges right to this day, but I'm sure there are some people I'd rather you know, they wasted my time or just like, I mean, I don't know what they expect. Their career is not going to last that long. So you got to soak it up and get everything you can get out of it. So it's super unprofessional, but it's sometimes how this is handled.
0: <laughs> you've been around for a long time. So you've obviously done stuff outside of wakeboarding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of those things that you've done outside of wakeboarding? Uh, well, wintertime wakeboard stuff slows down so much. So I've been enjoying
2: shooting like portrait stuff with families and neighbors and and such. Um, it's cool to always shoot different subject matters because it makes you more well-rounded as a photographer in general. And shooting people, it's not an easy thing to do. So uh, wintertime, I've been doing that. Um, it always crosses over with a little bit of fashion, you know, sometimes some model stuff. Sometimes there's a wedding and you, you have a need for it. And, Sometimes there's an advertiser, and then sometimes it's super random stuff where you got to go do an event, shoot live stuff um, versus the behind-the-scenes things. So it's the fun of photography. It's always changing. Never know what I'm doing every day. Um, that has its pros and cons. <laughs> I'd like to know what I'm doing, but uh, at the same time, part of the success is being super flexible.
0: What was it like working with the Pointless Posse when those guys were pushing the limits and riding every day and, and basically changing the face of the sport?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a different place than it is today. Um, I was, I've told talk to Shane about it before, like when he did his stuff, it was pre-YouTube, and there was no YouTube, and it was all VHS tapes, and um, that has a lot a little bit to do with their success versus how things are delivered In today's life um but um i don't know we're it's all of us by age we're just in the kind of same phase of our life and just getting on the water as much as we could and taking it day by day and and here we are 20 years later (laughs) still doing it
0: do you get the same respect from the new era of athletes as you did from the guys you came up with
2: there's so many new faces out there it's so wakeboarding's in a great place there's so many people i've never heard of and that's not saying anything about me, but the sport's so big and, um, there's so many people that are really good and a lot of them live here and a lot of them don't. A lot of them live on the other side of the world. Um, I don't think there's a lack of respect with the new kids. Uh, it's just a matter of not knowing each other. I mean, like even going to expo and seeing people at contests and I don't really go to a lot of contests. It's probably why I'm a little bit out of the loop knowing who's, who's the next hot stuff. But, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a respect thing. It's just it's just a maybe a maturity thing or different age group and but everyone's super, you know, welcoming and easy to talk to in this industry. So that's definitely a perk.
0: Okay. Before we finish, I want to give you a chance to talk about anything you have coming up and how folks can follow you or the Wake Journal. Um
2: myself, medoc.com or can always more importantly follow Wake Journal. Uh, Wake Journal is on all the social media, um, weekly, uh, in the App Store. It's a dollar ninety nine for sc- subscription. You get forty issues. And If you don't want to go to the one ninety nine, you can buy an individual issue for ninety nine cents. So it's a it's supposed to be a no brainer, but uh, just do the math. Do the math, but follow along all all year and the years to come as as uh, Wake Journal grows and as the sport grows and seeing more indoor parks and boat
0: developments and 2015 is going to be an incredible year and looking forward to it well thanks again joey for joining me today and listeners don't go anywhere we'll be right back with some closing thoughts on the golden mike podcast
1: woodrose is a sunglass company based in central florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials with an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports life on the water and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at Woodrow's.com. That's W O O D R O Z E.com. That was a lot of fun talking with Joey Medock. I hope you listeners were
0: able to learn something new and semi educational from this episode. I recommend everybody to download the Wake Journal app and subscribe for $1.99. Joey's for sure one of the hardest working individuals I know. He's one of, if not the go-to wakeboard photographer. He's earned it. He's worked for it all, and I don't see him stopping anytime in the near future. I think it's real cool that through his Wake Journal, he's giving less recognized riders and photographers a chance to be featured. Joey Meddox seems to always keep the wakeboard industry as top priority, but continues to come up with new and creative ways to keep his job fun. Remember, new episodes of the Golden Mike podcast post the first and third Wednesday of every month. Please be sure to give them all a listen, and don't forget to check out all the past episodes. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. This show is for you, the fans. So become a part of it by getting in touch with me anytime through email at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Before we go, a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, Curfski.com, Hungry Boards SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, GoPuff, Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, Joey Meddock. I'm the Noise of the North, Daniel the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.